Welcome to Checkpoints. This is a show about video games, the people who play them and the people who make them. Each episode, a guest on the show talks about the games that have shaped their life in one way or another, games that have inspired them, games that have forged connections, and games that have soothed wounds. Well, <laughs> um, as some of you uh, may already have, have spotted if you've uh, checked the show notes, um, this episode 128 is the the last episode of checkpoints <laughs> I, I i genuinely didn't think i'd get particularly sad about this but honestly i must have re-recorded this intro um not a hundred times but at least six you know which is which is quite a lot i try and do them in a one usually um firstly like it's not a, a sad thing there's nothing nothing bad has happened there's been no kind of awful thing where i have to stop doing the show um like i've chosen to do it and i've actually kind of been planning on it for for a little while um i'm gonna go into more detail about all of that uh, next episode so there is one i mean this is the final kind of canon episode but there will be an epilogue episode coming in a week or two depending on when the edit's done um where i uh, will be the guest i will change roles and uh, be interviewed by Violet Berlin, which uh, which my 13-year-old self would not believe. Uh, and actually, like, we recorded it about a week ago, and it was, it was terrifying. Like, I found the whole process, like, so nerve-wracking. I discovered uh, a whole new a new respect for all the guests that have, that have been on the show. Um, so, yeah, so if you, if you want to know more about, like, why the show's ending and what may be happening next, um, tune in to the, the next episode that's released. It's going to be the epilogue episode. Uh, but I don't want to dwell on it too much for now because the final guest is an absolute doozy. Um, I actually contacted uh, this person right back when I started the show. It was it, He was one of the, the very first people I emailed about coming on the show. Um, and he wasn't kind of... He just, you know, he very polite email back saying, look, I'm not really doing much game stuff now, but uh, keep in touch. And so rolling around 125 episodes later, I emailed him back. And I think purely for the sake that it was, you know the show had continued and I'd done so many in the intervening time uh, he was happy to come on and I was thrilled to have him so my guest on today's episode is Robert Ashley uh, Robert is a huge inspiration to me like in in the podcast world he did a show called A Life Well Wasted uh, which appropriately enough um, perhaps ended too soon it ended after seven episodes uh, or or did it or has it um, we go into that a lot more but A Life Well Wasted is a, is a really incredible podcast it's insanely ahead of its time I would urge you to check that out he's also a, a, an amazing musician he's one half of I Come to Shanghai he's a brilliant writer and he was kind of a real kind of formative podcast personality for me you know like back when I first started getting into podcasts there was a, a few kind of important podcasts that stood out for me and, and on the video game side it was it was One Up Yours and, and GFW Radio um, and I, you know, I love them both for different reasons. If I had to choose one, I'm not going to choose one. Why? Why bother doing that? Um, but, but, but clearly, I've already suggested which one I would choose. Anyway, I was a big fan of GFW Radio, and uh, and Robert was a big part of that, and has gone on to do brilliant things. So, I was really kind of delighted to kind of pull him from uh, at least some kind of video game retirement, and we had a, a really extraordinary chat. I, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to Robert, and I think it's a really 
lovely and and fitting kind of closer to the show um so as well as the the epilogue episode which is coming there may be a few more specials that i do that i'm kind of planning on doing maybe um i just i i, I can't quit you um and also because because itunes only archives like the last 100 episodes and uh, the content is completely evergreen and there are way more listeners to the show now than there were back at the start i think i'm just going to start running the show again from the beginning um doing that weekly so sort of keep it because because they're, they're all really good you know and you know i, I can I, I can say that because because they are um and so, you know hopefully more people will will discover the show so please you know just because this is ending don't think i'm not going to ask you to rate and review the show on itunes because of course i will i'm not quite sure yet what i'm going to do with the patreon um because i mean the whole reason i started the patreon was because i wanted to cover the the costs of the show the hosting costs uh, which which you know will continue because i host them on my website um but like if, if you've been a long time um patronizer of the show like just stop like I, you know i'm not gonna starve or anything and you've already been extraordinarily generous but if if you know if you're maybe listening to this for the first time if it, maybe this is like the repeat episode in like two years time that you're listening to um and you really enjoyed it then you know consider just chucking in a couple of quids to the the patreon maybe i should set up a paypal or something instead i don't know well you know in fact you can you can let me know you can email the show it's checkpointspodcast at gmail.com or it's at checkpoint show on twitter or it's checkpoints podcast on facebook it's very important to have consistent branding okay so before we get on with the show uh, a few thanks firstly to all the people that have patronized to some of the the fans on twitter and facebook who consistently always share the show thank you so much you're the best uh, really thoroughly appreciate it Huge thanks to Samuel Baker, who composed the excellent theme tune, which I'm going to play in its entirety to close out the show. Um, and to Craig Stevenson for making the brilliant artwork, which has adorned every single episode. Um, maybe I should do badges or something. Would anyone be into badges? You can email me. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so thanks to those people. Uh, and of course, to everybody that has guested on the show. Um, I literally could not have made it without them. And after this experience last week of being interviewed myself, I, I have a newfound appreciation, as I said. So really, like, they have made the show what it is. So so thanks to all of them. And thanks for listening. Um, please like and subscribe. Um, and, and actually, like, genuinely do. As I said, the show is going to kind of keep going. This is this is evergreen. Um, I can't keep talking. I have to just stop at some point. Um, there's going to be one more. It's fine. There's going to be one more for sure. Uh, thanks so much everyone this has been the best time I'll be back in a week or two with the uh, with the epilogue but for now let's get on with the show been once but it was incredible i remember um on, on a you know of course cloudy foggy day being up on that um is it is it called the necropolis the oh the god big yeah hill the necropolis cemetery. the big uh, big hill cemetery and yeah and it was so misty and i literally saw a, a deer running through <laughs> um which i was surprised to find but yeah scotland is so amazing and the scottish it's people are good. so awesome 
So. Like I've been here like twelve years now, and I I really I'm from Wales originally, okay. like South Wales, but I do love it here. And yeah. it's actually funnily enough, it's like obviously it always rains here. Yeah, but we're just coming to the end of a really bizarrely like unseasonal hot period. It's just been hot and sunny like nonstop for the past month. Wow, but people um, probably loved it. Oh, um, the jail cells are full. Like it's just people because you, you get people get so excited. They're like, I can just, I'm just going to drink myself into a stupor. And it just becomes chaos. <laughs> but totally there's apparently like crazy storms due any second. So currently it's really hot, and I have all the windows in my flat open. Yeah. But I may have to dash off at some point if the if the lightning starts coming. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I imagine that not. that there are no air conditioners anywhere. Oh God, no, no. Maybe no. like in a movie theater. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's it, and I, I'd say they rarely used. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in a hot, I'm in the sticky south. Everything is air conditioned to the nines. We're uh, Oh man. Yeah. I'm I'm sitting in the cool cool breeze of artificial weather right now. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, that's that's a rare treat though. I had that last week me and a few friends went for a drive like up into the highlands because the weather was so good. And uh, my friends had like air conditioning in his car up to the max and it's such an <laughs> you never have this experience in scotland of like stepping out of a car into like a hot humid air it was just like oh, yeah 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 i don't know there's something exciting. nice about it you also feel like you're just destroying the planet or something <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. oh god gotcha. um well listen honestly thanks so much for doing this like i i know you've not been doing a lot of game stuff so it's uh, it's really appreciated yeah um, no it's nice to be asked honestly <laughs> I'm, i've been <laughs> off the scene for a, a good long while so it's uh but yeah as as i said you were on the list that i wrote up at the start and this is this is probably going to be the last episode like i'm going to do an extra one um because i'm you know very narcissistic i'm a writer uh, (laughs) where it's like me being interviewed by um a a previous guest on the show yeah Um, but otherwise this will be the end of it maybe forever i don't know like this is this is interesting for you actually like because you've kind of Actually, no, I'm going to, let's do an introduction and we'll, we'll get back into this later. Okay. Um, so for the sake of, of formalities, um, Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, if you don't mind, would you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, my name's Robert Ashley. I guess I'm most known for this podcast that only has, what, seven episodes called A Life Well Wasted. Um, and I'm a musician. I play in a group called I Come to Shanghai. And um, I used to write for a lot of magazines back when video game magazines were a thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So what I was going to ask you just then before we uh, before we got into it was like A Life I Wasted was like a huge thing, certainly for me and for a lot of people, like a lot of people kind of, I've done a few episodes of, of Checkpoints that haven't been strictly interviewed. They've been kind of like mini documentaries, even though they are essentially just lots of short interviews. Um, and a few people have said, like, oh, it kind of reminds me of a really not as good version of A Life Well Wasted because that that kind of genre of podcast, I suppose, like you were very, very early in that and then you stopped. <laughs> like, do you miss it? Because I'm going to be stopping this now. Like, and I haven't decided whether or not it'll be forever or just, oh, maybe I'll start it again next year or something. Yeah. I mean, I definitely miss it. And I obviously have just like the worst timing in the world when it comes to <laughs> the podcast. Not that I mean, I was very happy with the, you know, the listeners. Oh, it was very well of, received. Uh, yeah, it was great. Um, but it's funny that it's become such a huge thing. Yeah, you'll probably miss it. I I also miss, you know, the I, I used to do some other podcasting where I would just jump on with some dudes who all worked for the same media group in, in San Francisco, this gaming company and I, I miss those kinds of like slapdash 
not trying at all um you know yeah. podcast conversations um, I'm so yeah. tempted to do that, but also I'm like, there's just so many of them. There. Uh, yeah, it's, and, it's and, and again, like the the GFW and the the One Up podcast, like they were proper for me at least. Like they were real sort of seminal things. Like as I've been doing this show and I talk about talk to other people about like the games that have shaped their life and like these sort of moments that change things. Like for me and for a lot of people I've spoken to, there was a period where games are like super niche and you know they were just a few of you maybe played them and then you discover magazines and it was like oh there's this whole world out there and then i weirdly i felt like this again when it came to sort of podcasts the early wave of podcasts it was like a, a an even bigger world was opened up and you get to know the people but both in the magazines and on the podcasts and just like them you know like you just yeah no i, I totally get that now what's funny is that at the time i mean i i was only focused on writing which was mainly like how i paid the bills and I also just thought that was the thing. And, and I would come in for those podcasts and I'd be like, this shit is crazy. Who wants to listen to this? Like, the, you know, we're just like jabbering about whatever. Um, and what I didn't understand at the time was I was lucky enough to have a bunch of friends and people that I worked with that were super interesting to talk to about games. I didn't feel like I was out there alone with it or whatever. Yeah, uh, and, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, since then, I've been living in Athens, Georgia for, you know, seven years, and I don't know a single person here who um, knows anything about games or cares about games. So I, I can totally understand now um, how someone would come to really enjoy tuning in to hear some people, you know, relate. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, well, let's sort of trace that back then. So, um if you can remember, Robert, what was your kind of first experience of a video game? Uh, man, I feel like they were there so early in my life. But I, I feel like the the most important times that I can remember playing games were these weird weekends that my that my dad... My, my parents divorced when I was very early, and I would have these weekends with my dad who, uh, you know, liked to drink, liked to hang out at bars, liked to play pool. He was a young guy. He must have been 24, 25. He had me, okay. he had me when, I, when he was like 18. Um, so he was a young guy, and he wanted to like hang out, and we would go to this place called Sharky's. And he would, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he would drink Budweiser's and play pool and gamble, and he would stuff my pockets full of quarters and I would drag this bar stool from one arcade machine to the next. And I, I remember playing a lot of Frogger. I remember playing a lot of Space Invaders. Um, and, you know, you play those games when you're like six or seven. I must have, I think a game lasted like 30 seconds. I, I, could, yeah. I could barely survive. But since, <laughs> since he so badly wanted to be there and he was pretty good at winning money playing pool against people... Um, he would he would really indul <laughs> indulge me with quarters. Uh, was that kind of like you know you're willing him on so you can get more quarters? To oh, totally, yeah, so you're, like you're totally invested in it. Yeah, go ahead, Dad. Play play another <laughs> play another round. You know, have have another bud. Um, but I remember that place so well to the to the point uh, uh, that I remember the the smell of it. And sometimes I go into certain old, old kind of bars and with with you know totally beer caked arcade machines and it makes me feel so nostalgic um, <laughs> whereabouts in the country was that that was in dallas texas that's where okay. i grew up yeah and like I, I don't know you can depending on your viewpoint like that can be either like a really sad or you know just quite a, <laughs> a nice or, or almost like you know like how did you feel like 
I mean, I, at the time, how, I how felt, does any six-year-old feel? Who cares? You're playing video games. This is great. Yeah, no, I mean, at the time, I felt um, like that was the most fun part of going to visit my dad, you know? Um, yeah. And then as a grown-up, you know, I look back and I'm like, oh, that was so irresponsible. But at the same time, you know, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed hanging out with my dad and doing that stuff much more than I would enjoy hanging out with him today talking about, you know, Donald Trump or something. We we have like a very <laughs> politically challenged relationship and, you know, he was oh, he man. was pretty easygoing at the time. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think of it um, in a bad way at all, even though I would never do that with my own kid, you know. <laughs> it's weird. Like I, I was, who was I speaking to recently? I think it was uh, Ian Bogost I was talking to and we were talking about this arcade culture and how, like, all of these amazing kind of, you know, um, transportive video games, these kind of little boxes of wonder, I would usually end up playing them in, like, the, the grottiest, worst places that, I, like, as an adult, I wouldn't want to hang out in. But, you know, I was, like, a 10-year-old kid in, like, a taxi rank or a kebab shop playing whatever, WrestleFest probably, or Street Fighter, and just having the best time. It's, it's such a weird mix of... Because uh, you you're not really in that space. You're in the game. You're so into it. Oh, yeah, and it was almost exclusively like that. There was no... I, you know, okay, there were some places, at least in the States, like arcades that were in malls that were nicely air-conditioned and, you know, maybe they s- smelled like farts or had, like, dirty carpet, but they were <laughs> r- relatively, you know, they were relatively okay. But there were so many places I remember playing games that were just total, totally grubby. I, I remember hanging out in, you know, broken down convenience stores in the dog days of summer when it's 110 degrees outside in Texas and playing Art of Fighting or some other, you know, random fighting game during the fighting game boom that I didn't, you know, I never understood those games. There was no internet to look it up, you know, maybe there was one kid that you could run into who would be like, dude, this is what you got to do, but... Uh, it was mainly just a, a voyage of self-discovery in some scuzzy, weird place, um, and I loved it. And they I, looked yeah. so good, though. They were so oh, beautiful, yeah. <laughs> like especially compared to anything you could get at home. It was just such an exciting thing. Like that's definitely one of the things that I don't know. It does. I don't think it really matters that it's lost or not. That because there's less arcades now. But the excitement of going to an arcade and seeing like something like Art of Fighting with like these characters that scale in and out, and you're like, oh my god, this is unbelievable like you can only get those games in those places yeah and and you know there was an economic thing at work there that i feel like is lost when you go to these places today where you pay an entry fee and all the machines are on free play which i I love to go to those places they're great and you you get to you know play a lot of games and but um you know when you put money in the machine and you're gonna lose it's a totally (laughs) it's a totally different feeling you're 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 like fighting for the survival of your own um good time or something you know you're 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 you're, you've got something on on the line i actually just this past maybe two weekends ago i was in brooklyn for a wedding brooklyn new york and a friend of mine took me to this crazy arcade in greenpoint it was a pinball arcade but it was in a laundromat and when he took me there I you know he had described it and I was super psyched but when we got there there was just this there were like two pinball machines in the window and then you walk in and it's this stifling completely disgusting uncomfortable laundromat full of people doing their laundry and I was like what are we I don't want to be here this is this is fucking I, I genuinely thought it was like a re repurposed building but no it, no, it was just no a it's like, like no it's a, it was literally a, laun- a working laundromat 
and there were a bunch of pinball machines like stored up on top of the machines and stuff. And I, <laughs> but he's he's like, no, 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 check it out. And he took us to the back, and there was this door that were that was made out of the front of two of the the washing machines or the or the dryers and it looked just like the rest of the equipment but you open the door and this amazing air conditioning like blasts out at you and suddenly you're in this you know dark bar with perfectly maintained classic pinball machines oh my god that sounds amazing oh god but what was the most amazing thing about it was it cost like 75 cents to play one game and, you know, that, I, I got like $10 and change and I blew through it. But I found myself, unlike when I go to those places where you just get to play forever, however long you want, I found myself just struggling to want to keep my game going. And I, 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 I missed that so much about, about arcade games. So how did, how did your relationship with games kind of change as you got older? Like, were you, was it something that was kind of like part of your youth, like you were always sort of looking for the latest console, or was it just kind of a background interest that kind of pervaded? No, I mean, I was I was totally obsessed, but I didn't have the economic means to to really um, ha- have what I wanted all the time. I did when I for my seventh birthday, I got a I got an uh, an NES, which was a huge deal. My mom spoiled me rotten with that thing, but uh, you know. It came with one game, and you know, it was Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, and I didn't get another game until you know Christmas of the next year, and so uh, and and it was before game rental. It was before you know the only thing I could do was the the kids that I knew that had Nintendos. Maybe I could you know borrow borrow a cartridge now and then, but for the most part for that year, I would just play Super Mario Brothers, and I, I would wake up before school to do it, like make myself get out of bed. And it got so, I'd played it so much that I had to invent other ways to play it. You know, I, I would play it where instead of instead of getting all the power-ups and killing all the dudes, I would play it ninja style and, like, avoid everyone. Like, never touch anything. Um, and, I, and I was all about, you know, every tiny secret. And you'd hear whatever rumor in school about, I, I you know, the... All the fun little things in that game um, that I don't think anyone could ever imagine happening today because the internet kind of erases all mystery. You know, I don't know how knowledge even got around. I, I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I, I wish people would have known what we were about to lose so they could go back and study how it, <laughs> what was yeah. that information got around in these communities because... Uh, it was it was like secret magic spells. I mean, I, I can remember, you know, Mortal Kombat two when people discovered friendships and babalities and all these things that uh, that you could do after a match. And the first time I saw one of those at an arcade, I was just it was like someone had you know done some sort of insane magic trick in front of me. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, that, that was such a, such an amazing time. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade having all the information in the world for that, but, and I, and no, it wasn't that good. <laughs> it wasn't that. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's funny. You, you can romanticize scarcity and I do that with other things in my life. I, I can remember the, the romance of discovering music and all the hoops yeah. that I had to go through special ordering, CDs from whatever local crappy suburban CD shop um, that I had read about in some magazine and it took like 
two months to get to my house. And of course I was going to love it because I paid $25 for it and I waited for three months or, you know, but you you don't get that from the internet age, but you also get so much more, so much more. You too, you too. Obviously. And like the music one is a definite one. Like I, I remember like I was in a band when I was like from the age of about like 16 to 21 and we would go like literally go to London for the day just to look at records and buy records. Like, oh, yeah. What an absurd thing <laughs> in today's world to think, you know, that, that that would we would plan a weekend around going to buy some records and like picking stuff out that none of us had any idea about yeah like, just totally you recognize you, maybe the producer or you recognize that, oh the, that drummer from that band is singing in this one now yeah or I, I remember pouring over the thank you lists in in records that i that i loved and i would buy music by the people that were th- by the bands oh that that's were quite good that's quite strategic yeah <laughs> and sometimes that would work out and sometimes you'd just be like i can't believe my favorite band likes this <laughs> shit <laughs> um oh man but, uh, the, you know, the obsessive play still goes on. I got to say, I, I have a friend out here who has an 11-year-old who, every time I talk to him, he's been playing Fallout 4, which is a game that I just couldn't get into. I mean, I, I played the hell out of Fallout 3, like, maybe one of the last games that I just really wore out. But um, yeah. I couldn't get into Fallout 4, And he, but he... I mean, I think this kid has put, like, 300 hours into it, and he just will not... Every time I see him, he wants to talk to me about it and and i'm just like dude you're on another planet like i, I have nothing to say to you about this um, but at least the stories from fallout 4 could potentially be quite interesting as opposed to super mario brothers <laughs> sure sure like, sure there's only so many stories you can tell with those games yeah and you know it's um, all that crafting stuff that's that's some yeah. uh, like a generation gap thing that i can't i can't seem to get with <laughs> you know I, I i get so bored of having a sack full of fictional building materials that I need to sort and, you know, create stuff with. I'm such an old man about that. (laughs) So, so as like, as this kid who had this love of video games, like, did you, as we kind of mentioned at the start, like, did you feel like this was just a solo pursuit or did you like gather together the kind of motley crew of friends who were also interested in games? Sure. I mean, I didn't hang out with anybody that, that wasn't interested in, in games and on some level, even, even when I would hang out with my kind of jockey cousins, we would, you know, play, play sports games on Nintendo or whatever, you know, uh, I, it was definitely, I, I was, I, I had self-select, self-selected, uh, a group of outcasts and, and geeks from the, from the very beginning to, to play games. Um, trying to, did th- you feel like it was a kind of, odd thing though like did you feel like it was the equivalent of i don't know comic books is the other easy example from like things that were very uncool when i was a kid that are now kind of fine i think i became more self-aware of that when i got a little bit older especially when when i you know started caring more about how the world saw me but I, i was a I was a pretty bold and freaky kid, and I think I thought I was really fucking cool. Even, <laughs> you know, um, I, I saw myself as like a teenage mutant ninja turtle, or you know, like, oh, dude. Uh, you know, uh, I I don't know what why why I felt this way about myself, but yeah, I mean, it felt you know it felt like what all all the kids were into. I didn't know too many kids who weren't interested in in hanging out and playing games it was it was just in the air at at that time there you know there was a mania around it that was so huge even I, I knew parents who who would play i knew parents who would take over their kids consoles for the weekend and obsessively play something until work came around um 
it was such a just a fad almost and there have been a couple of other moments since then where it, it's felt like a fad like when we came out but i don't know mm-hmm. if it's ever really matched the that, that kind of um just there's a you know a new hot thing taking the nation um yeah it's weird like this has like depended on like i've spoken to people from all over the world but it does seem to be like it's it's a bad running joke. It's not even a running joke, I think. But in America, it seemed to be like everybody was just given a Nintendo at some point <laughs> in their youth. Like of a certain generation, it was just like a, a government program. Or yeah, something it was, it was issued Nintendo. to you as a talisman against communism. Yeah. And so that you would strive <laughs> to to work hard and uh, get, you know. Find the shortcuts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they what they didn't know was they were actually secretly giving everyone away out of the, the hamster wheel. And uh, <laughs> giving us some some much needed free time, and now people maybe overdo it a little bit. I I, I don't I don't know if um, I don't know if we had quite perfected the art of the binge gaming session that people can uh, get into these days. It just wasn't quite entertaining enough to completely yeah. waste your life <laughs> on. You know, now it's pretty damn entertaining, and there's a lot of it. So what, like, I mean, this is an extraordinarily broad question, but like, are there any kind of highlights from, you know, your youth kind of like preteen games that really stand out to you or even teenage games, like games that really are like, oh, holy shit, this is, this is next level. You know, I, I can remember so many games that I, that I loved and played. I, what comes to mind strangely for me is the times where I would make a mistake about what I wanted to try to play. Like I, um, games that other people love that I tried so hard I, to get into. I remember I, I there was a there was a magazine in, in the states called Video Games and Computer Entertainment Magazine. It sounds so geeky because it was it was a total like hobby magazine for guys with big mustaches or something. Uh, but uh, I, I I was obsessed with it from you know third or fourth grade on, and they had an issue about the original Final Fantasy game coming out. And it was, you know, 10 pages of explaining how this game worked. And I'd never played any game like that in my life. And it sounded so cool. And I asked for it for my birthday. And I just could not wrap my fucking head around that game. I did not understand (laughs) how to play it. Uh, I I endlessly failed at it. And it just ended up being this thing for me that today I still, like, when people go off about whatever Final Fantasy stuff is going on, I just feel so alienated by it. I've never been able to... I've never been able to get into it, but as far as um, what I, what I actually loved, I mean, I got a I I must be a generational stereotype in that Street Fighter Two was a disease that took over my brain and did not let go for years and years. I I, I can remember going to see. Uh, Terminator 2 in the movie theater with my mother and seeing the machine for the first time with all those buttons and the guys going at it um, and I was just blown away by the look of the thing and getting to play one game and you know getting absolutely walloped in 30 seconds or whatever it was over but yeah that that game took over my my brain and I, I just couldn't let it go I would I would you know, steal for money. I would, I would, I, I would go forego lunch. I would go to school and not eat, and then come home and eat like five bowls of cereal because I was a fat kid. Uh, and then ri- ride my bike, <laughs> ride my bike to the convenience store so I could spend my dollar fifty from lunch on playing Street Fighter. 
Um, and, you know, reading about it in magazines when it was going to be ported to home consoles and sitting there practicing all the moves with my controller, just, you know, like not even having the game, but trying yeah, to think yeah. of how, how it would even work with a Super Nintendo controller. Um, it's weird that, like, how much of that, like, I, I had exactly the same experience where it would literally, like, I would just, you know, I, I, I wonder if it was bad i mean i'm sure it's not really bad but like i remember as a kid sort of literally daydreaming about street fighter like just imagine just playing matches in my head like over and over again totally totally. Uh, and not even in a kind of not extrapolating into like you know some crazy big anime thing just literally like i'm viewing the screen in my head and the the characters doing their special moves i I had Um, i had those those daydreams about lots of games I, i i wish i could go back and and be in my brain when I was thinking of that. And all, and all I can, because of the timing of it, I, I can only imagine that it was this like proto sex thing. Cause I think that I, I think that I just immediately like two years later, my brain got completely occupied with thinking of, you know, girls I was interested in or something, you know? And, and, and it was like, my brain was That's per- super interesting. I never thought that. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. your, your imagination is just so vivid at that age and you can imagine anything. And for some reason I imagine, you know, some pixelated screen with 40 colors and dudes like duking it out. But you know, I've, <laughs> I was definitely like exercising that part of my brain so that when I needed to imagine romantic situations, I was, I was fully capable, you know? Uh, <laughs> But, I mean, it, 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 I'm, I was going to make all sorts of inappropriate jokes, yeah, and I'm not going to do any of them. That's all right. That's all right. Um, so, like, as you got older, you said, you know, you people discover girls, they get into music and stuff. Like, I certainly had a period where I just completely went away from video games for a couple of years. Like, did you have the, the same thing, or were they just always part of your, your life? Man, I kept it pretty steady. I, 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 I kind of needed games in a weird way. I, I I've always had... A relationship with games and they've always served me in some in some way and when I look back on the early parts of my life I think that um, I was just learning how my brain worked when I played games and to this day I'm I'm still the kind of learner who I, I don't like sit down and read the instruction manual or something I just like get in there and start yeah start doing it you know and I'm, I'm like a hands-on learner I was not quick to book learning uh, I, I came around to it later after I figured out how to do it I needed a process um, yeah but yeah I didn't go through like a dark period where I didn't play games it was always there when I remember my my Romeo days of, of uh, being a, a youth um, when I was on the phone with girls for five hours a day or whatever it was always me like you know half-assed you know, playing Mortal Kombat, which is so bizarre. <laughs> you're talking to some girl you have a crush on and you're ripping people's hearts out. Um, you know, I never, I would never mention that that's what I was doing. I, uh, there, there was something about the way that you could talk on a phone and be distracted and split your attention, which I, I think now we live in that world where, you know, everyone Absolutely, has yeah. totally split attention and it's come to be this the way I'm playing Mortal Kombat right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was. I, now that, that's a game that I don't know that I would uh, I would love so much if I went back and played it. But but oh, it was God, it no. was it was great for you know ho- holding off embarrassing conversational ticks when when I was talking on the phone all night. 
Yeah. I mean, there is that aspect of it as well. That's kind of it's almost like um, I mean, I think this is especially true for for musicians. It's the it's just the the fidget of it, the the finger action of it. You know, like the, the, certainly I find myself with especially phone games. Like, just I'm not even thinking about it. I'm not playing it. I'm just I like making the movements with my fingers on the screen. Yeah, you know? totally. No, I I, I feel um, I, yeah, you're you're right on with the the musician thing. And in fact. If I were to say honestly what my favorite experience is in games, it's when my brain is just completely off and I absolutely and, and, yeah. and I'm I'm just reacting to what's going on on the screen and it's a just a meditative state and it's increasingly hard for me to come by. But there have been times when I got it from games and it was so amazing. Um, yeah, and, and phone, early phone games in particular, I had lots of favorites, but I was obsessed with with them. Like in two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, I I still have like fond memories of games that I think a lot of people didn't even really play. Like there, there's this guy in in New Zealand named Brandon. I don't remember his last name. I follow him on Twitter. He made this amazing game for for iOS called Forget Me Not which was like a Jeff Minter-esque Pac-Man clone that had a, a, a really cool risk-reward system where you, the faster you went, the closer you came to exploding. <laughs> um, and, and that it sounds just, great. It was, oh God, it was, and it was kind of a, it was a, it was a bit of a, a, a roguelike, you know, or a, what, do, what do they call that? You know, not, not an actual. Like rogue. insta-death thing. Not yeah, yeah. Like, but like permadeath. Permadeath. And you just, it would, it was all, you know, generative and you, it was never the same thing twice. And it was so consuming to me. I, I, I would just wake up in the morning because I, I wasn't working. I was making music at the studio all day. I would wake up first thing in the morning and just lay in bed playing that for 45 minutes like a total layabout. And, <laughs> but it was it was awesome. I mean, it's better than waking up in the morning and having a cigarette, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, I mean, I, I feel like we're probably going to be skipping a bunch of stuff, but like, yeah. was there a point where you thought oh, this is, maybe I could be involved in this in some fashion. Like, what led you down that path to where you ended up, like, writing for video game magazines? Yeah, so so fun, funny enough, um, you know, I, I mentioned that I was really into this magazine when I was a kid, fourth or fifth grade, uh, video games, computer entertainment. Um, I, I was really into the magazine rack uh, growing up, and not even just video games. I, I would always pick up car magazines or just anything I was interested in. I, I loved magazines and my, my mom's a big reader um, and she was she was always up for buying me a magazine and somewhere along the line I just got the idea very early on in high school even that I, I just you know fantasized about writing for specifically Electronic Gaming Monthly which was a magazine here that was really big um, yeah. and and I went to college and studied English uh, which wouldn't have really landed me anywhere professionally but Sometime during during my college years, I ran into someone at a show who was writing for the school newspaper. When I say a show, it was a, you know a music event. I'm yeah. trying to remember what band it was. Doesn't matter. Ben Lee. It was Ben Lee. Um, ah, okay. And it's, this guy was there, a friend of mine, and he was there to cover it for the paper. And he's like, "Dude, you should write for the paper." And I I got a job writing for the school paper. It was the Daily Texan, the the newspaper for the University of Texas. And I became the music editor, at which point I was like, hey, I'm not going to write about music. I'm going to write about video games. And I just started like 
getting on all these lists to get games, which was incredible and so oh, God indulgent. Damn. I got everything. Like Dreamcast era. I had every Dreamcast game. I had every PlayStation 2 game. It was fucking insane. Um, and I would write reviews and just build up a, a a well of material. And so when I graduated, strange, strangely, I, I you know I had already been in a relationship with the woman I'm married to now, and we lived in D.C. for a while. I know this is a long story, but we eventually no, 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 we eventually ended up going to San Francisco, um, the Bay Area, um, specifically Ber- Berkeley, because my my wife was going to grad school, and I just started spamming the people there. Um, about wanting to wanting to write and I, I got a job interview um, and I showed up in like the lamest t-shirt and you know <laughs> I, I, I was interviewed by by Dan Dan Shu who was the editor of uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly and he asked me all these fucking like interview questions that are from those books where, where you're <laughs> where you're interviewing for a random job I had no idea that this was going to happen but he asked me those corny <laughs> interview questions and Somehow I still managed to get by and I became a, a freelancer and that, you know, I basically stayed a freelancer. I, 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 I got a couple of, uh, there were a couple of jobs that were offered to me over the years, but I enjoyed being a freelancer and it let me do music half the time. And yeah. Um, yeah. And that was kind of a long story, but yeah, it was something that I really wanted to do since I was a kid and I did it, which kind of, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And it, it gave me this like fucked up sense though, that that if you really want something and you try to do it, you can have it, <laughs> and, and and that's such a fairy tale. Yeah, kids, don't believe that story. You that's know, you you should story. go for it, but if it doesn't happen for you, it's not you. You know, I I had yeah. I had such such luck. It was so lucky, and had absolutely nothing to do with talent or anything. It was absolutely like the luckiest thing that ever happened to me. And um, and I I think it does yeah. have a little bit to do with talent. But, well, you got to have something. You know, you like, got you got yeah. when when you get your chance, you have to be ready to go. You have to you have to be able to deliver. But getting the chance is the thing. So I, you know, I just I I hope that people who are going for it like go for it and and get good at what you're doing. But if it doesn't if if you don't get what you want, it's not it's not your fault. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, just to briefly kind of go back to the the college days and like you know getting all these free games like did you did you like you know college is uh, uh you know it's a chance to reinvent yourself like did you do that did you did you go with like games as I mean, part of your identity, I suppose. Like, were you seeking out other people playing games? Like, because you're the kid who's getting all the free games. Oh yeah, anyone no. who's into games wants to be your friend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my 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 apartment definitely became like the hot spot for for you know all things gaming, and and it was by then certainly part of my identity. I I was I was kind of a punk rock guy, like music wise. I, I played in punk bands, and and this was just. Um, another facet of, of my, of my life, uh, at the time. And it just seemed to, to fit in with everyone that I hung out with, you know, I actually, I, I gotta say, so an important part of my, my story is that when I went to college, I, I, I got bad grades in high school, just really terrible. Cause I, w- I wasn't really trying. And I got into the university of Texas on this kind of provisional program that was based on my test scores. And I and in the program was like you graduate from high school and you go to college five days after you graduate from high school and you do this summer school thing, and I got okay. there and I was just like 
heart sick for my girlfriend and depressed about being away. And there was an arcade on the, on the strip right next to the university of Texas called Einstein's and it was quarter play everything. And, and I would go there every day, skip class, spend all my money playing like fucking dumb games honestly like top skater do you remember that game like where you pretend to skate it's a skateboarding game made by sega where you're on a skateboarder i mean you're on a skateboard okay right yeah no i know that yeah oh god that was awful it was really awful i played a lot of that (laughs) game uh i played a lot of crazy taxi which to this day is one of my favorites but oh it's absolutely amazing but anyway I, i i ended up befriending the guy who ran the place who was in this hardcore band and we would we would play games all the time i long story short i totally fucked up I fucked up really bad and I failed out and I had to go home and and uh, live at my dad's house and go to community college and and uh, and I I had to like get my grades up and which I did I figured out how to study finally and I got back into the University of Texas and then I was serious and I never made anything less than an A after that um, and I was so serious about everything that I did because I was terrified of just you know failure going going back to like a childhood type life of uh you know not not very reliable checks uh (laughs) working with my hands being a roofer or something um so did you steer clear of einstein's the second time back i well i i I learned some self-discipline about it i'll tell you that good um i (laughs) and to this day i I can be very self-disciplined about um about games i games don't run my life at all i i I never play games if if i shouldn't be so um yeah which i well um go ahead that that kind of leads us nicely into i'm going to take a very brief aside to do some uh relatively quick fire questions Mm -hmm. um so the, the the one you just mentioned i'll just start with that so robert has there ever been an occasion where a game has consumed your life to the point where you've had to just delete it and like no this is a problem get rid of it I mean, I would say that that arcade experience was that, but I didn't do it. Um, you know, I I'm trying to think of other times where I've really fucked up. I did have like a, a dark period after college where the economy had crashed and I, I couldn't find a job in Washington D.C. And instead of looking for one, I kind of spent you know the entire time my girlfriend was at work playing Grand Theft Auto Three. And then she would come home and and ask me about like whether I whether I'd applied to jobs and I would give her all kinds of horseshit about it, um, and that was pretty close to fucking up pretty bad. I'm a policeman. I was a pizza yeah. delivery guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I drove a taxi. Uh, yeah, that was kind of dark. But other than that, like I said, I, I I developed some serious muscle when it comes to resisting the charms of games good Um, you got to especially as a freelancer that's like it's vital yeah honestly that's probably part of the workout for me was i had to play so many games and i was a reviewer for a long time and at the time the the review policy was that you were supposed to beat the game which is funny to think about now nobody does that now but i mean i would have to you know sit down and plow through a game in three days you know for a deadline i, I remember having to play through the game okami do you know that rpg that's a, it's oh like god a, that's a great a, game a, a three Zelda, days. Yeah, it's, that's insane it's a killer game i crammed it i don't i won't say i crammed it in three days but i crammed it into some ungodly small amount yeah. of time and it just made me ill to have to play it that much and it's it's kind of like you know hank hill giving bobby 
um, you know, a whole pack of cigarettes and telling him <laughs> to smoke it or, or whatever. It, it, it was that a little bit, you know, I got kind of sick of spending all my time indoors playing video games. Um, and when I quit reviewing, I, I, that actually brought me back into loving games because I, if for a while it had become a kind of a chore, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Robert, if you had to play a game uh, with death for your own mortal soul, what game are you best at? Um, this is a funny, this is a funny answer. Uh, Samba de Amigo. Oh, that's good. That's good. I have never met. I would want to see that scene in the movie. I have never met anyone in my entire life who was as good at that game as I am. I don't know if anybody (laughs) knows what this game is, but it's a, it's a Dreamcast rhythm game where you have these controllers that are maracas and the soundtrack is all of these corny ass, like Latin crossover songs, like, a. Live in La Vida Loca and and um, the Macarena. I mean, just really like reprehensible music that I don't love at all. But the characters are so amazing. They're just these really colorful, um, beautiful little you know cute Japanese animal characters who dance around with sombreros on. And I was so into that game. Uh, I even imported the sequel that never came to the states. Um, cause I, I was such a nerd for it. Either that, or I'm actually kind of a light gun phenom, like the, those old okay. the, like precision light gun games, like point, point blank. You remember that game where Namco yeah, made yeah, those yeah. games where, oh, that was an amazing dude. Game. I, 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 I won serious amounts of money in dorm rooms with, with that game. <laughs> um, I, I even won drugs a couple of times. Um, <laughs> I was, I was amazing at that game. I mean, you are a Texan, right? Yeah, no, and I, you know... It's kind of in your genes. It's true, I, and I never, I hadn't even really shot many actual weapons, but I, I was I was pretty good at the light gun. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there um, a game that you, you've gone to or continue to go to for, for comfort, like a chicken soup game? Do you have one? Man, I feel like there, there are um, many of those games. I'm, I'm like going through my going through my shelf trying to think of the ultimate one like what game have i gone back to i'm i'm a real nintendo nerd it's it's actually insufferable i i wish i wasn't i sometimes i have feel that nintendo nerd feeling of just being taken advantage of but (laughs) but ocarina of time zelda i i could go back and um spend a weekend that would probably be my reaction if my one of my parents died i would just like draw the blinds and put that game on and and um, just play it without talking to anyone for 48 hours there's something about that game especially toward the end um, where I mean the actual ending where they kind of show all the people that you've run into on your adventure and they're all hanging out at at the dairy farm having a good time there's something that sums up adventure for me about that game um and adventure's always been something that I that I loved in games. Just go, going on a going on a magical journey uh, in your living room. I, I could always go back to that game. It's such a good one. Um, are you a, a particularly competitive game player? Have you ever been locked in a fierce rivalry with anyone? Dude, I have punched people in the face. 
Like, oh, I, I, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm fierce. I'm fierce. <laughs> uh, we, we had in, you know, maybe my community college year that I mentioned earlier, uh, I had a, a crew of goons that I hung out with and drank like disgusting malt liquor and played a whole lot of GoldenEye, another, another, uh, generational stereotype everyone my age played but we we actually kept a a dry erase board with the number of victories for us as we played split screen four player okay golden gun one shot kill always you know because otherwise that game is boring as fuck you just get one shot kills only pistols um and i remember um yeah totally like rolling around on the floor with a friend of mine bashing each other's skulls and uh getting so <laughs> so fucking mad about that game i i'm not that person now but but when i was younger uh i totally i totally was well i'm i'm excited for the answer to the next one then because if you are prone to such things robert uh, what was your worst rage quit <laughs> you i you know actually the my worst rage quit uh, i think was not with other people so ba- back when i back when i ha- was reviewing games and like i said the the policy uh, at at electronic gaming monthly at the time was to beat games before you reviewed them i was assigned the the 50 cent marketing game um 50 cent bulletproof it was a playstation 2 game and it was such a pile of shit just such a giant pile of shit and it had this mechanic where 50 cent had his crew you know g unit who was an actual you know this is actual mm-hmm. like rap crew and they had this mechanic in there where G-Unit would come and, like, C4 a door open whenever you were, I don't know, like, looting someone's L.A. mansion overlooking, you know, from the top of a hill and going around stealing all their cocaine and money. Um, you would you would, you would would have to ask them to, like, C4 open some kind of locked door. And that mechanic would always break, and I would have to reload and and start over and get a, a level and just play that shit over and over again to get through it and i i just remember my my wife at the time um i mean still my wife now but she was in grad school and doing all kinds of high level you know actual thinking person shit while i'm downstairs <laughs> in the loft playing this game and and cursing and muttering and i i remember breaking a glass on the ground and just being like fuck fuck so mad and she she <laughs> left the apartment and did not come home till like four o'clock in the morning and because i was just so insufferable um and i mean i guess that's her rage quit but i would say that was my my, <laughs> ulti- my ultimate um my ultimate rage quit and that was definitely a disc that i ceremonially broke when i was done with it which i did to many review games i, I would have like a moment of i'm going to enjoy cracking this disc in half um, yeah. Make a little mosaic of them all at the end like when you you finished doing freelancing. Yeah, yeah, I should have actually. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, given kind of the the potential scope of emotions that games are able to convey, one of the rarest is still uh, laughter. So, Robert, what games have really made you laugh? Hmm, hmm. games can be funny. You know, I don't think I don't think anyone's ever done it better than Psychonauts. Yeah. Um, Psychonauts, Double Fine, Double Fine is so amazing. They're they're an institution. They don't really get the kind of like endless budget that some of the other, you know, great studios have gotten. Even though a lot of those don't even make very many games these days, like Valve or whatever. But um, yeah. But I, since the Kickstarter thing happened, they've they've been well funded. And but I, they, you know, to me, 
Psychonauts was was their their greatest game. It's so it's funny, it's sweet, it's great to look at. It's really well written. It's so imaginative the way that it tells yeah, its absolutely. story. I I always loved the the way that they were able to turn the environment into an examination of the the character that you were exploring. If you've never played this game, it's a you, you play this this kid who's like a circus family um, freak, I guess, who has has he has some psychic powers, and he ends up going to a summer camp for kids with psychic powers, where they learn to infiltrate the minds of people. and And what you do is you find these characters who have serious problems in their life, or you know maybe mental problems even, and and you go into their minds, and they're the levels are kind of representations of how they feel. You know, there, there's a guy who's super paranoid and you go into his mind and and it's like a suburban street where there are cameras popping out at you everywhere and the, the postman is like a secret agent. And you go in and you kind of fix them. But instead of, you know, expositionally telling you what's going on in the story, you just get it all through context. And I, I'm yeah. trying to remember like what was funny in it, but it was it was genuinely funny for sure. Um, oh no, it yeah. really was, yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't think of a good example either, but that was un- like just hearing you describe it then, it reminds me of how brilliant it was. Like just how every level was also totally different and so wildly imaginative. Like I'm very excited about the the new one coming out i think next year hopefully yeah maybe. hopefully yeah i mean it's it's a great formula and i mean i think that that game still doesn't really get its get its due for for what it what it did i you know i think a lot of people judged it on its mechanics purely like as a as a platformer um yeah it had a really notorious kind of end game bit the meat circus that nobody could beat i certainly couldn't beat it. i i beat it because really i i, I reviewed it i reviewed it and i and i had <laughs> to beat it and it and I, I i got up that that there's some like climbing meat area where yeah, it's, it's almost like impossible to get up and i just oh, got up awful. on a glitch or something i did it over and over and over again um yeah and i still loved it and i remember telling tim schaefer at a at a event later i was like Hey, I loved your game. There was this part that I couldn't beat, and his, I, I regret it so much because he just he has this way of letting something roll off that makes you feel like, yeah, you're a fucking nerd, you know? Like, like I, I nerded out on him, and he was like, yeah, cool, I'll keep that in mind or whatever. He's he's someone I'm not intimidated by people, but I've always thought that he was like the coolest, the the, the coolest character hanging around in games. Oh, he was he was amazing. Yeah. He was he was my episode 100 guest. That was oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, it's so good. Yeah. Well, like I'm conscious of of time, but I want to talk about like when you have this opportunity and you have you know you can do your freelancer, you're getting loads of games and stuff. Like how not how did your relationship with games change? Because obviously it's going to because you've already mentioned that like you're playing them through to completion and stuff. But were there did your opinion of maybe like what games could be because that kind of early to sort of mid two thousands era for me personally was like a real like games broadening as a as a cultural art form as a cultural thing you know i was probably really i know i was definitely really insufferable about especially in university talking about games as art and stuff like did you did you feel a sense of that or were they always just kind of a a fun idle oh, thing yeah like, no no I, I, I was i was equally insufferable and and i mean and more so because i got to actually write about games for an audience you know and, and, yeah. and so i have like embarrassing things that i have written that are out there in the world from that time period luckily most of them are analog because they were printed not put on the internet i don't know if it's that embarrassing i don't want to put it down too much like because no 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 it's not it's, you know it's just i think there's something about 
idealism that is always kind of, kind of embarrassing yeah. when you become an older person. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe what I should be embarrassed of is my lack of idealism now. But, but when I was definitely when I was in my twenties and, and I was so, um, in the games and games seem to be growing with me so much since, since I'm part of that generation that was kind of yeah, the totally. first generation to keep going with it after, after growing up. Um, yeah, no, there were so many um, games along the way that, that just um, blew my mind and that I idealized psychonauts being one of them, you know, um, and Sha- yeah. shadow of the Colossus or I, you know, like this guy kind of drives me up a fucking wall, but I love his games so much. I loved Braid. You remember? I, you know. Oh God, it's incredible. Yeah, and the, and and it was before the whole indie gaming thing happened, and so it was just so fucking fresh. So you know, this weird game you could buy for I think it was ten dollars or fifteen dollars. Yeah, something. it was the very first summer of arcade. God, was, uh, and, Braid was in it. It was amazing. And you know, you can you can uh, make fun of his prose or, or his his like kind of pretentious ideas but the puzzles in that game make you feel like an absolute genius and you're not yeah. everybody solves it everybody who plays that <laughs> game figures that shit out but somehow you feel like um you know so so amazing for having figured it out yeah no i i, I totally um i wanted games to transform into something else and now that I'm older, I, I, I realize that that's kind of silly. You know, I, I, I was always looking yeah. for the next I was always looking for the way in which games were going to open up and, and become something like um, like the culturally dominant art form, the thing that everyone wanted more than TV or movies or whatever. And now now that seems so silly, even though now it seems even more likely with VR yeah. and all that. Um, I mean, I, I, it's, it's a really tricky one that because I'm sure I think part of it is the scale of it as well, because I'm like, again, this is a recurring thing on the show. I'm certain that there are games that coming out literally today that, you know, 15, 20 years ago would have blown my mind and I would have been telling everyone about it. And I probably will never even hear of that game because there's just so because the tools have become so democratized and, you know, it's yeah. all. So it's exactly the same for like pretty much all art forms, like like music and, and movies and writing and stuff. There, there's so much and so many people and such a giant slab of a platform that everyone just hopes someone notices them. It's it's really hard, I think, for for anything to have that kind of cultural momentum now. You know, in the, in the same fashion. And when it, like and when it does, about, it's just underwritten by all kinds of gross money of or, course yeah you know, of course uh, yeah i feel so bad for you know everyone struggling and obscurity to 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 make something happen for themselves and i you know i i wish that we could all just come to enjoy making the things that we make and yeah. not needing not needing that affirmation i i understand it though you know every, and, and if you grew up with those stories of like jonathan blow making 10 million dollars on braid exactly. or whatever and you make games and you know no one shows up to the party after you've spent three years of your life making it i i, I feel terrible about that but yeah it's but I, yeah. I i don't know if it's ever not been that way you know like as i said like i was in bands growing up and, and you were in bands like I I I remember I could name probably seventy or eighty bands that I knew from like South from South Wales from a very specific kind of six year period. Most of them were terrible, but like a bunch of them were amazing. Like some of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. 
and nobody will ever hear them beyond like the people who were with them in that little groove as they went through you know yeah but it yeah. feels like that was kind of okay you know yeah everyone kind of had the aspiration to it not everyone made it anywhere you know to the, the next level but that's that's fine it was it was still fun to go and do a show and see like place with your friends and stuff and i think with games it's maybe harder because you you know you need other you need people there to make the thing happen yeah, you can't yeah, just yeah. do it and have fun i mean i, I wish um, i wish that games and maybe even music could go back to the, the spirit of that time i know exactly what you mean there was a time where people weren't focused on making records so much as just playing a show no, just, like, you know like yeah. and, and having like an an event um having having a good time and if there was a way for for people i guess people do do this sometimes with games like events like baby castles where or, yeah. or like um fantastic arcade and in, in austin where pretty pretty like low low level unknown people get to have an audience for a game and it's really cool and fun to go to something like that I, I, there's a brilliant night in Edinburgh actually called Games Are For Everyone just to give them a free plug because it's brilliant oh, it's the same idea though that's awesome yeah I, I mean I, I love those kinds of events uh, I, and I think the people who organize them are saints like people who are willing to go through all all of the trouble of getting a venue together and and organizing it I mean that, that's that's way I don't know maybe people who make the stuff will disagree with me but I think there there there's a uh, a real um, lack of, of people willing to do the organizing it takes to have a community around art and the, yeah. uh, compared to the number of people who are just making stuff. And, and if you have at all the, the, what it takes to put on events and organize people like do that. Cause that's amazing. That's like the world needs that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm slightly paranoid after saying all that, that, that kind of spirit of let's just put on a show and have a good time that probably all still exists and i'm just older <laughs> oh <laughs> like, it, it know, does it's probably loads of kids like going yeah we do that what are you talking about yeah it does no i've been i've been to some like house shows in athens georgia they're definitely i've seen some bands here that like i've heard their recordings and not like them and but i've been to their shows and been blown away it's still it still happens you know yeah of course. Um, and i yeah but i'm just not in in it i i would love to be in it i you know I don't know how to. I don't know how to get back to that part of my life. That li- you yeah, know, the linear time thing. I can't get over it. I wish I. I wish I could time travel. Oh, it's gross. Yeah. Me, me, and my girlfriend were talking about this the other day, like because she was also in a, a band when she was around the same age as me, and we talk about like you know I would go and see. Well, I used to work in a bar as well, so I would see like every show that played there. So like, but we would at least see like three or four bands every week, and just the thought of going out on like a Wednesday night. To see to to maybe see something good, but probably see something terrible, is just like I can't I can't imagine doing that, which is yeah. kind of sucks. Well, you know, you get older and your time is suddenly more valuable yeah. because you're not gonna have a whole lot more of it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you're when you're when you're twenty, like you just feel like it's infinite. Like you just want to throw it away. You're tired. You you've got all of it to spend and. And then it starts creeping up on you that you don't, and and it's hard to make that gamble. But and it is a gamble. And if you don't, if you don't gamble on going out and trying something new, you'll never have that kind of experience. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, before we get too deep into the the death comes for us all chat, <laughs> um, I'd be remiss if I didn't t- at least talk a little bit about about a life well wasted, like how that came to be, because like it did, 
like I mentioned this on the show a few weeks ago that you know when I started even doing like checkpoints like a couple of years ago they they, they seemed to be like I did the show because I wanted to listen to it. I wanted to hear shows where you could speak to people like who make games or who work in games and talk about the games that that they loved growing up that inspired them that got them into that that sort of scene and now I feel like there's loads of those now like I don't it's one of the reasons why I'm like I can stop doing this there's there's other shows I can listen to that do this um and a life of wasted in particular it felt like really ahead of its time in in in, in a sense because I know you were like super inspired by Radiolab and that kind of format mm-hmm. um but but how did that kind of come to be well basically you know there there was just this magazine apocalypse that happened yes. in the bay area where all, you know Every magazine that I wrote for collapsed and fell apart. My living fell apart. Um, and I, I was making, I, when I think about that, I mean, I, I don't even want to tell people who like write about video games what that was like. I, they, they used to like pay me to do cover stories where you would like fly to some exotic part of the world and meet the people who make games and, you know, come back and write a story and get paid like $3,000 for it. You know, I just, it was, it was outrageous. Um, and, and so, and so when, when <laughs> my stomach actually turned when you yeah, said that. Yeah, I was, I mean, it was, I can't even, I went to like, I, I, I toured Chernobyl in the Ukraine. I, I went to Shanghai twice. I, I went to Finland. I, I, I went all to all these places all over the world and it was so fucking cool and insane. And then the magazines fell apart because, you know, that's not sustainable. Um, paying you three thousand dollars yeah, to, to, to write about like Saints Row or whatever, you know. Um yeah, no, so um so that fell apart and I, I was, you know, really having a hard time with the internet version of that because obviously the pay was much lower and the turnaround times were really grueling. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I, I had this idea that I wanted to work on radio stuff because I wanted to get into radio and I, I was a big NPR, which is national public radio in America, um, fan, um, and you know, and the other public radio producers and, and I was in a band and I was into recording and had all this equipment and, and, uh, and I just decided to start experimenting with it. And I think the first thing I did was I actually did like a radio review of a game. I reviewed the game Electroplankton and tried to make like a radio review that incorporated all this sound from the game. Oh, I don't remember that. that I never put it cool. out. It never, no one oh, ever heard it. it. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, but I, I pitched it to several like public radio outlets and and i got some like good response but people were like we're not really like doing video game reviews um this isn't something our audience is very interested in and and so you know i just kept on having that idea and when when the magazine that i loved most which was electronic gaming monthly finally did just collapse and end i had this idea that i wanted to interview everyone that i knew about it and i went to this you know, party that was like a wake for the magazine. And I would just drag people up to the rooftop with my field recorder. Uh, and it, you know, it had this like stereo mic that picked up every goddamn thing. And we were in the mission district in San Francisco and car alarms were going off and it was so, (laughs) it was so loud. Um, and you know, I just hadn't really thought it through, but I interviewed people and I just started trying to like edit it together. And I, I think the first one, which was about that subject of the death of EGM. I think the first one I probably spent 20 hours on, you know, and, 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 um, and that was well received. And I, 
I just started going after other other stories and my 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 desire to like up the ante just got more and more out of control until you know the the later episodes would take me you know two months a month of just constant work um they sounded so good (laughs) they they were like you could tell that yeah no i mean some of those things took like 200 hours to make you know um and 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 the thing that really made it possible was this artist who I only knew from the internet who contacted me named Ollie Moss, who is now, you know, <laughs> like such a, such a big name in sort of pop culture, nerd poster art. And he, and he worked on the yeah. game Firewatch and he's a really cool guy. Um, and he, he proposed like making posters for the show and it just created a business model for it. And honestly, it was really, it was a good <laughs> It worked really well, you know, and it, it it was almost like charity from Ollie because I would pay him like five hundred dollars, and then I would sell all the posters and and you know make my make my money for the episode. Um, it's kind of a proto Kickstarter thing. Thinking about it, like you know, it's like back this thing you like and get a reward. Yeah, yeah. Except it was like I didn't have to sell it at all. I mean, the posters would disappear in 30 seconds you know like everyone wanted these things um and mainly just because ollie was good at it um and yeah so i you know i got to make a living doing it i would actually even travel for stories uh it was really a sweet setup and unfortunately i have this thing in my brain where uh, if i'm successful at something but not successful at uh, uh, something else that i want to do that i you know, I just want to transfer that. So I had been, I had had some success with the podcast and, but I had this band that was, you know, doing okay. But for some reason I decided like, I want to go all in on the band. And when, when my wife got a job out here in Athens, cause she's an academic, I brought my bandmate with me and we just spent, you know, three years making music and, um, not having jobs really good and, albums Rob. Oh, like i'm a big fan of i come to shanghai like this the, the latest one in particular i was listening to this morning again it's uh, it's brilliant oh well th- thank you very much I, I we had a really good time uh you know i'm I'm sad to say it feels kind of like we're we're done um and we're and i'm moving out of town soon so it's going to be kind of uh, impossible to to get get the band back together as it were but the those years after moving here when i wasn't making any podcasts um and and i was just working on music all day were really incredible it it just didn't you know it uh, it didn't really catch on in the way that the podcast did and i you know i i, I always had it in the back of my mind that i needed to return to it and and I, I am working on it. I People ask me online all the time about that, and it's kind of... But that must feel good, though. You gotta, you gotta oh, be no, it feels great. Like, why the fuck it? would someone be asking you about some podcast that you haven't you know, made an episode for, like, five years? It's It blows my mind that people care about it at all. It blows my mind that you want to talk to me on a microphone right now. I have, I you know... Uh, but, yeah, it's it's been hard to get back into the the kind of fugue state that I used to have when I made those yeah. shows because I would stay up all night um, for you know I, I would go to bed at five o'clock in the morning um, after just working on it uh, all you know uh, endlessly and I, I it would it would be f- fun but so lonely you know um, yeah and it's it's hard to to get back to that place but I think that 
um, I think that I'm getting it and I have some really good material, um, that I'm not going to like divulge, but I, I will, I will say that, um, I will say that there's like a, there's a, an anniversary coming up for the show and I, and I've made it my life's mission to have, have, (laughs) have an episode out for it. So, um, very exciting. Yeah. But I, I'm so happy that people liked it and, and, um, at the time I thought of it as not my true thing, like not, not my true passion, not what I really, I really wanted to make music. And so I wasn't quite as serious about it as I was with music, but now I like, I love that. I wish I could be as, as sort of careless and free. Cause I would just do just the most random shit. I'd be up at three o'clock in the morning and I'd be like this, the way that this guy is talking right now, kind of sounds like, like he's singing a song or rapping or something. And I would just start like, you know, fucking around with it and moving yeah. files around and it, and it would just <laughs> energize me. I, I would always live for those moments of, of either, you know, musical ry- rhythmic feeling or just some other emotional thing. I, I could never let people just talk about something boring. I, I needed to, I needed it to be funny or sad or ha- have some kind of energy to move, move it along and I still, I still feel that way. And, and it's hard to, it's hard to take like 10 hours of interviews and, and condense it to 20 minutes of kinetic energy. And, and that's, that's where, yeah. that's where the struggle is. And it's not like I'm sitting there like thinking about audio quality or, or, or like only working on music or something. It's more that it takes me so long to figure out how, what, what parts of the story are important enough to leave in. And honestly, I have to also shout out to my, to my wife about this. She, she's like the secret editor of my show. I I used to just, you know, I I would finish it. And the day that I wanted to release it, she would sit down and listen to it. And anything that she thought was boring, I would cut. Even if I had, even if I had spent, you know, hours and hours, I have cut huge things out of that show. Um, because That's she doesn't really care about video games and, and my, my, my object was always to just leave it for a general, general audience. And if she thought that it yeah. wasn't interesting, I would just cut it. So, and, uh, and yeah, it's always good to have some, someone there to like listen to what you're Absolutely. doing. Yeah. And I think that, that the idea of it being like, uh, a, a side project, I think that's super important, like for, for any kind of creative thing like having multiple things that you're interested in and just just do them and and i i try and do this definitely myself try and make all of them just a fun thing that you want to do and not think about the fact that oh but you need to get paid you need to figure out a way of making money out of this because then it becomes like it's too makes me too anxious and i'm 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 making it not interesting because I want it to be more palatable to more people and you know, that, that kind yeah, of aspect of it. So yeah, and if always it, being able to play with it is so important. Yeah, to me to to keep to keep some sense of play. You know, yeah. and, and play is so important to me. Obviously we're like on a video game podcast. There's something um when you're when you're making stuff that if you can just stay in the in that zone of like a kid who's learning something new and you're not focused on um you know how other people do it uh or, yeah. or or matching matching some standard that you think you have to you have to meet but instead just pleasing your own curiosity entertaining yourself it, it oh it always turns out better that way it's always better um 
good good life advice as well yeah just totally in general keep it keep it playful if you if you get serious you're probably fucking it up honestly <laughs> well i feel like this is a perfect point to, to end it on um if there's anything that kind of hasn't come up though please take this opportunity to do it now or if you want to direct people to things online do that too yeah i don't um you're like forever hold your peace maybe this is the last time anyone will ever hear from me um oh don't say that, <laughs> that no that's terrible I, I have a dark sense of humor um <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, ch- you know, you can check out a life well wasted if you Google it. It's the first result. Um, it's all very evergreen. It's it's all very old, but people still discover it, um, and will write me emails, uh, you know, saying like, "Will there ever be a new one?" And and uh, and I guess that if that still works, that you you know, people should go check it out. And uh, and my band's called I Come to Shanghai, also eminently Googleable. Um, and we have several several albums, but you know, keep an eye out for whenever I manage to get my shit together and have new <laughs> new, new things out. Because I'm dying to make a connection with people, and 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 I honestly nothing has ever matched the feeling of the release day of either an album or or a podcast. I mean, I I would just like float around on cloud nine. Unfortunately, it would last only until I don't know ten o'clock that night. Uh, and then, and then I would feel fucking miserable, but, but that the day, the day that it would come out would be just so good. Um, like what are, what are your plans for the future? Like if you, if you want or are interested in talking about that, like what, what are you up to? This year for me has been a real, um, sinkhole of, you know, not really getting it done and being kind of lost. I I just, I'm, I'm doing all these like self-improvement things I do. I exercise all the time. I I I only eat dinner that I cook. I, I never eat out. I, I I'm like a cooking obsessive, um, uh, and I you know I've I've been seriously focused on um, playing classical piano, which is really fucking bizarre. I, I didn't grow up um, playing piano at all, but for somehow I've gotten very serious about spending you know multiple hours a day. Um, working my way through the original pieces. rhythm action game. It is, dude. It's a really good game. If you're like an arcade game person who is also a musician, you are you are totally blowing it if you don't get into reading music and trying to play some, you know, Bach or something. It's it's fu- it's so stimulating, and and there's no other game that is as challenging and or rewarding. So I fully learned how to play the drums, like playing rock band. Oh God, man! I can, I, I can play the drums now through rock band. Yeah, no, I and I was a drummer before that, and the it was most it was so incredible to have a game take a skill set that I already had and put it to the test. And I to this day, I was always like, I was always the last person who was advocating, like, "Hey, let's play rock band," and everyone in the room's like, "Man, eh, bored of that." And I'm like, "Dude, <laughs> come on!" Um, I still I have that it shit literally in my closet. Last weekend, yeah. it was so good. Uh, what was that? Me and a group of friends. When I, I still play, I played last weekend. Oh, you played when that? I was up in the Highlands with some friends. Dude. We all took our rock band stuff so we could set up in the the back room of this little cottage uh, and play. And it was amazing. Still, it's such uh, a. Perfect, I, I envy that so much. I love playing that game, and and that was definitely. Um, I can remember parties at my you know loft in Berkeley that I invited people to and. We'd have like thirty people there, and I mean, I you know, I was having a good time and and play, <laughs> and, and playing uh you know, playing playing those songs. We had a spiral staircase right next to my 
TV and I would just like hang from the spiral staircase with the microphone singing. <laughs> it was it was the last of my youth, maybe. Oh man, that's so good. Yeah. Um well I yeah, I feel like this is this is good. Was that was that okay for you, right? Was oh, that, that was good. Fun? I felt it felt therapeutic. Thank you. I'm I'm usually on the other side of the mic. I, I get I get why people like to talk about themselves now. Oh, I yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. <laughs> well, honestly, like, thanks so much. Like, yeah, a, a, thanks. I, I'm congrats on your show. I'm I'm totally blown away that you that you. Um, I, honestly, I've gotten emails from many many people over the years saying I'm doing a podcast, um, inviting me to be a part of it in some way, and I've always tried to be encouraging, but I never really participated, and and a lot of them just disappeared. I was blown away that you have actually done is all of these episodes and you've interviewed a lot of really cool people and I'm happy to, to have, um, been on and, and, um, you know, been a part of that. Thanks. And now it's over. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, maybe until next year, I, I feel really, I feel bad saying that this is the end of the show. Now the show's over. Well, um, think about, think about what was good about it and, and find, find, find a new, find a new way to get there. Yeah.